Welcome, BDLers, to the full count. The boys are definitely back in town now. Uh, good evening. This is Mark Wumpler, uh, your co-host, along with Brent Lewis. Brent, how's things going? Uh, things are going pretty good. Been MIA every now and then, but finally good to get back on the show. Oh, great to, great to get the thing going again, and uh, I think everybody in the BDL knows that... Uh, You've been doing a lot of extra work at work and, you know, some personal things, too, which I know everybody is <laughs> extremely thrilled for. And, uh, you know, they everybody understands. They they knew the old full count would get going again. Um, what are we going to look at tonight? I, I think we're going to do a little bit of standings. Um and we may even talk a little bit about the BDL weekend. Um, Ready? I know that's coming up pretty soon. Uh, for the big red machine, um, this is for Scotty, and I think uh, I think I jinxed him by saying they were going to win a division there on the on the forum. Nah, it's still kind of early. I fully expect the reds to implode. Uh, probably will. Probably will. But um, you know, as long as they've um, they played pretty good so far, but uh, I think St. Louis may may end up making quick work of them in the end. But um, we'll have to wait and see. They've got a hell of a pitching staff, a lot of youngins, a lot of veterans. Well, we'll, um, we'll start with uh, we're going to start with the divisions this evening and have a little look and see what's going on around the BDL. Um, uh, we'll start with the South and uh, go down the list and. Um, Try to figure out who's hot and who's not and who's maybe a surprise team. Uh, a few of those in the BDL this year that's uh, really making some noise. Yeah, I mean, uh, we also a few teams that are surprised on the other end not making much noise. <laughs> uh, exactly. There's a few playoff teams that uh, right now don't look like playoff teams from last year. Um, if you want to, Brent, we'll kick it off with the Southern Division. Um uh, what's your first opinion there? Uh, well, the half of the division, it's no real surprise. You have the Rebels on top and then the Falcons, which every year they're just back and forth. I mean, they've both got strong teams, and they just never seem to change many faces. But, it, I mean, it's working for both of them. I mean, they've got strong rotations, strong bats, and, and there they are every year, one and two. Well, the, that, that's pretty well, you know, the way I see it from this end, it's, uh, it's kind of like uh, Rebels and Falcons are intertwined. Um, one's not going to pull away from the other one too much. Um, and th- coming up through this week, not counting this week's scores so far, um, the Rebels, my team, at 40 and 27, and uh, Falcons at 39 and 30. Um, and that's you know a couple game lead. And I look, I look for that the whole year. I, I think it'll be. Just one, two, switching back and forth from week to week. Um, the uh, the Aggies, the Bums, um, Aggies have surprised me a little bit. I look for a little more out of them. Um, I didn't look for this much out of the Bums so far. Uh, 29, 28 wins, 39 losses, uh, and have actually got a couple of wins and put one hell of a scare into Big Johnny last week. 
Yeah, that was uh, that probably would have been the upset of the decade. If, if oh, absolutely. Ended up beating Johnny in the cars, and and it was as soon as two weeks ago where the bums were over five hundred. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It went from the beginning of the year was like okay, when Mike got the pick and he still has it, he was like okay, I've got Bryce Harper in that trade, ha ha, and then uh-huh. here we are seven weeks in and it's like he's not only not last he's over 500 in the top half of the league <laughs> exactly yeah there's um that's that's a whole lot to have to be said for that um uh the aggies i mean with some of the trades they had made um i did expect a little more from them right out of the box i mean the season's still young it's only eight weeks in a lot of his struggles seem to be tied into Wright and Reyes because he he made he got those guys in some very high profile trades, giving up a lot, including like a Rod to get David Wright, and now exactly. David Wright has just been. I mean, he's hitting eight home runs, but at a cost of a two fifty batting average, and I believe at one point David Wright was one of the leaders in strikeouts, which is very very unusual for him. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, and his, his lineup doesn't show a tremendous amount of power. And Wright would have been the one that you would have thought would have been a big one. Um, uh, him and uh, he and Carlos Pena have got eight home runs each, and then Ludwig with seven. And, even and then it Pena, really drops off after that. And really, with Pena, Pena has never had a high batting average, but he's only hitting 180. I mean, that's just, right. Right. That that's yeah, awful. <laughs> yeah, that's for lack of a better word, that is awful. That's uh, 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 let's see here, three sixty one slugging, and for him, after those eight home runs, the other twenty two hits uh, must be infield singles. It must be. I mean, it's just it's either all or nothing with him, and it's just being more of a nothing than all at this point. Right. And the bums, um, as far as they go, I mean they've I think they've shocked a few people. Um, you know, Al's put together a pretty decent team to be to be low on big names, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, Casey McGahey, um that that's his big gun, actually. Um which pretty impressive numbers with nine home runs and forty one RBIs yeah. and hitting three thirteen. Um then Roger Davis with eighteen steals. Um after you leave after you leave McGahey, the power goes down quite a bit. Uh, but I but I think he's doing a hell of a job with it. Uh Jeff Neiman, he's five and oh with a two thirty six ERA. Um, that's that's the anchor. That's actually the if you remember, that's the Strasburg trade. Oh, it was, wasn't it? Yep, that's who he got for Strasburg. Um, I think there was a couple more involved in that, and that escapes me right now. But uh, um, Neiman has looked good. That that trade may turn out to be very, very good for the bums. Um, it, so far, it is. I mean, at least for the short term. Maybe in the right, long, right, right. Long, long run, not so much. But at least for this year, yeah, you're getting immediate production out of Neiman. Exactly, exactly. 
Well, let's, um, since we kind of looked at the South and pretty well about what everybody thought uh, was going to happen, let's drop down to the East, which uh, seems to be a big topic of conversation on the boards. Uh, yeah. A lot of East and North competition. <laughs> which I would like to point out, is as of Saturday, last night, a lot of the North guys made up some ground. I mean, it was in three of the matchups, it was, or almost all the matchups, really, it was pretty much a blowout. I think at one point the highest amount of wins the North had was one of us had like three wins. Everything right. was like eight and one, nine and zero, oh, and but last night uh, some ground was made up. We're still losing, but don't count us out yet. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! This is this is going to be a good week for, the, for these two divisions, and it's really good. Um, and I really wish our division would do a little more of this. Is, is the competition between divisions? <laughs> I think it's a lot of fun, and I really enjoy watching the East and the North sit there and fight each other and betting chicken wings and six packs of beer and whatever. And money and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm waiting for a $3 hoard just any time to pop up. But, uh, <laughs> Joe, I didn't mean that for you, okay? <laughs> but, no, seriously, that, that's a lot of fun uh, to watch those two divisions become a rivalry divisions. Um, and that was something I really hoped would happen with ours. Um, you know, Ern and I are pretty vocal on the forums. Uh, the West is fairly vocal. Um, not that I'm trying to get something going with the West, but um, anyhow, we'll get back to the East and then look at them a little bit. And looks like Craig and the Bulldogs have eked out a small lead over the Generals by three games. Uh, Generals looking pretty good this year. They finally... They finally put all the pieces in place to make a good run. Um, and then when you even drop below that and look at Rockland at 38-27, and 27, I mean, this, this is a hell of coverage right here, three and a half games separating the top three. Yeah, the, the Rockets, they had been, their plan had been had taken a little while, but it seems to be finally paying off. He's got a really strong team. Been, he's only three and a half out, and he still has a 579 winning percentage, which is... Nothing to sneeze at at all. Oh no, 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 no. And it's with the generals. He, some of the trades he made at the beginning of the year, I wasn't so sure of. And you can ask him. I was. I thought the one where he gave up, gave up on um, Felix and Sizemore in those trades. I thought it was pretty damn stupid. Well, that was questionable. <laughs> I myself had a question about that. That was really. You know, like, what are you doing? And, um, with Sizemore's hurt, he, they don't know if he'll be out for the year. Felix, he's doing good by an average pitcher's standards, but by Felix, he's, sl- he's struggling. And it looks like that he may have n- been the only one to know what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I totally agree with you on that. That's uh, uh, When the trade was made, it was pretty well... Um, uh, I'm not so sure about this one. Uh, this 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 may hurt, and I would have loved to have Sizemore and and King Felix too. But right now, the way it looks, um, yeah, yeah, he made a one hell of a trade. 
I mean, it turns the other way. And a lot of things go like that. You just don't know what's going to happen with them. And Sizemore with, with Cleveland, I mean, Cleveland's not going to not going to blow you away. And he basically is the best thing they've got. I mean, it, it was just bravo to Scotty for those trades at this point. I mean, it's I thought he screwed up. I think a lot of people thought he screwed up. He proved us wrong. Right. Well, I totally agree there. I do. And not, it's showing in the standings, um, you know, 40 wins, 28 losses. Um, and he's right in the thick of everything, uh, which I thought he should have been for the last two or three years, honestly. He's, he's had a lot of bad luck with some players. Um, and David David Wright, when he let him go, um, the Mets are snake-bitten. Yeah, and if you own a Mets player, you know the best thing to do is just go ahead and move him. <laughs> uh, I, they they try to do it right, and they do make the right moves, but it seems like it just bites them in the ass when they do it. Well, the Mets have always had issues with injuries, and then thinking the injury isn't bad, or saying the injury isn't bad, or rushing guys back because they're so desperate. Exactly. Prime example was Jose Reyes last year. Right, right. Carlos Beltran this year and last year. Right. It just <laughs> well when they when they signed um, um, JJ Putz and Rodriguez, their biggest need was bullpen. Yeah. And when they signed them, um, I, me and Ernie even talked about this in the office. I, I said, well, they know exactly what's wrong and they fixed it. They plugged the hole like BP doesn't know how to do in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, <laughs> and um, so I, you know, I figured, okay, they're great. I mean, they know what they're going to need to fix to make fix the problem, and, and then everything backfired again. So, And then bringing up the end of the East is, I think, one of the surprises is the epidemic. Um, the defending... Eastern Division winner. I mean, the, that their team. I don't. I really don't know how to how to describe what's happening. I mean, they they've got they haven't really changed the team, but so much they've got Dunn, Jeter, Howard, who are doing. They're doing fine in their own right, but it's just like the matchups aren't lining up, and he's just getting hammered. You you actually said the key word when you said matchups aren't lining up. That that happens a lot of times. Um, and when you've got Dunn and Howard hitting, and I noticed on the block today, uh, and I'm sure you did too, that he's on the block looking for a power hitter. And if I've got Ryan Howard and Adam Dunn in my lineup, that really wouldn't be what I would be looking for. Um. So you you can see the struggle he's having, and it's just it's not working right now. Um, you know he's fourteen and a half games out, and I know it's still early, but you know that's that's a pretty big hole, and you've got three three teams to jump, and two of which are the Bulldogs and the Generals, who are just on been on fire this season. Right, right. Plus the I mean the Rockets too. I mean it's he's got. He's got to get past three teams, which all could be number one. 
Mm-hmm. And it it's it's going to be tough. It's really going to be tough. I think at this point, not that it's not impossible, but but he just no, you're abused, and I mean he's he's doing what he he's trying. Can't fault him for that. No, no. Um, I mean, I, when he made that trade, um, okay, I kind of I kind of thought he gave up too much. You know, with two first rounders. Yeah, um, one of them belonged to John, I believe. Yeah. And with the way the woo is, that may have been Bryce Harper. Exactly, exactly. That that was that was what I was thinking when I posted, and it seemed like I was the lone wolf on that, calling it not such a good trade. Um, but I understand. I mean, okay, they're, they're a rookie. They're they're not proven. He's got a proven starter, uh, and I understand that totally. That's what he needs now. Um, and according to the direction you're going, uh, I really, I, I think the two draft picks was quite a bit. I really do. I mean, being, the, being the picks they were. Yeah, I mean, it, Hughes, it's really the first year where he's going to, or the first year where he's been in the rotation for most of the season and then had extended success. And it's, but I mean, it, I don't know. We'll we'll find out. I just it was it was a lot for Hughes. Not that I'm knocking Hughes or anything. It's just that was a lot. Well, it sounds like we're pretty well on board with the same opinion on that. I, I think it was a lot for him. I really do. Um, I think I would have. I don't think I would have done that. I, maybe a little bit of a knee jerk on that one. A little panic reaction. Um, with you know, with seeing yourself in standings and knowing you're not playing that well, and we need another good starter. But anyhow, like you say, we'll uh, that'll be determined on down the road. And but at the very least, though, I mean, it was a lot, but it was he didn't really give up any pieces for now. I mean, it no, was, no, exactly, exactly. So we'll see. <laughs> right. Okay, we we'll jump on down to the. North Division, the East's rival. Uh, here we go, North. Uh, we're looking at, the, once again, uh, the killer car company of Anaheim. Uh, leading the division 43-22 and 22 with a 650 percentage. And right behind him is the Portsmouth Wallabies. Um, 34-32, nine and a half games back. The Brotherhood, 14 back, and the Nats, 15 back, 15, 15 and a half. Um, I think Johnny showed a few kinks in his armor this year. Uh, he's he's had a lot closer matchups so far in the season. I'm, it's It seems like some of his guys are, he's got Rollins who keeps getting hurt. He's, he kind of he had Carlos Quentin who had a strong season last year. He's not producing, and then Pujols is. It, it seemed like whenever Pujols, normally he would have Pujols as his go-to guy. Whenever he needed to get out of a jam, exactly. Pujols was there. Right, right. I haven't really seen where I haven't really seen a matchup where Pujols was able to kind of stomp down the threat for his week like he has in the past. Exactly. He's almost human now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, Pujols is still putting up 
excellent numbers. I mean, mm-hmm. still at nine home runs, 34 RBIs, 304 batting average, but it just for Johnny's purposes, Pujols doesn't seem to have been able to step up. No, exactly, exactly. Um, I mean, he, um, Johnny still, um, and this is another another point, um, he's got a 274 team batting average, and that's pretty close to leading the league. Um, we've got a 291 out of out of the Crawford Cramps. Uh, the whole league, there's not one team hitting 300 right now, and that's a little bit surprising to me. It, most everybody is running in the 260s to 270s, um, and Johnny at 274, I think, is somewhere around third place, fourth place, as far as team goes. Um, and to me, that's you kind of benchmark a 280. That's kind of what, in my mind, you want your team to hit. Yeah. And there's very few teams right now hitting that. Um, it, it just seems like most teams have got, like, one or two guys that that are just dragging everything down. I mean, you've got, like, with he's got Cliff Pennington at 219, Julio Borbin, who was a leadoff hitter, he's down to, like, 226. Right, right. 207. I mean, you have those guys that just bring down the team's batting average, and it seems like everybody's got at least one or two. Well, it, it, I mean, it's the same. I've got BJ up and hitting 200, barely up the Mendoza line. Um, Adam Jones is not hitting. Um, I've got three batters hitting over 300. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, every team seems like they have that this year. It's a little, little bit strange. Um, when you uh, uh, speaking of Johnny one more time, uh, when you got Jose Batista with 15 home runs and you got Albert Pujols with nine, you know the world's not in line here. Oh <laughs> uh, no, but I, I have a feeling that Batista is going to come back down to earth. Yeah, I do too. But that that kind of goes to show that okay things aren't exactly right. Um, and I'm sure everybody in the league is seeing this. There's some strange numbers, and I mean, not taking nothing away from any of the players, but some are putting up some stuff that they shouldn't. And we'll look on below that, and your Wallabies um, sitting there in second place. Um, so far, <laughs> so far, that's a good-looking team, though. I mean, if you look up and down your team. Um, with the numbers you put up, um, one thing that I'm impressed with, and I, and I would have absolutely written this guy off with Scott Rowland. Yeah, he was um, recently dropped. I cannot, let me, well, I can't remember who exactly dropped him. And I, I've i gotten Zimmerman, but behind him was Beckham, right. who has been just right now dead weight. He yeah. hasn't done anything. And I'm... Any extra pop will help, right? And, and yeah, actually, you're get you're, you're about with him like I am with Rod Barajas. Now, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> you know, Rod Barajas. He's already got ten home runs. Come on, and I picked him up just for a fill-in. So many youngins will come around. So strange things are happening. They really are. Um, and I mean, you've got um, you've got John Buck. Um, sitting on a bench, uh, this guy's got eight home runs. 
so you, you're not hurting too bad. Actually, you, know, you might ought to put him in ahead of Brian McCain. <laughs> there have been, been games where I have started Buck knowing that McCain was starting. Right. I saw that. I have saw that. That's And there's no way that should be like that. Well, his, McCain's eyes, have, that his LASIK, his second LASIK didn't take again. Okay, okay. So he had to go back to the glasses. Aha, uh -huh. okay, that's something that I did not know. And that because of that, he was awful at the beginning of the year, and then it just, I'm trying to, this year my slogan was in 2010, it ends, and that was kind of twofold, my old way of thinking ends and me being below 500 ends. Hopefully. Well, I think I think that's going to end. Um, um, your, your pitching staff, I mean, you're looking at some uh, Chad Billingsley. I mean, the numbers he's putting up, um, Lackey, uh, you know, I, that's, and, you know, I've always been a, been a pitching manager, so to speak. Buck Holtz, um, I mean, you've got a very strong, very strong up and down starting lineup it's in your pitching um, and the bats are the same way um, uh, three guys with double figures with home runs and about four ready to turn into that I mean this year with my in the past I've always and, and everybody has seen it with how I've traded I've, I would have those prospects and I would hang on to them and say, I don't want to trade them, they're going to be awesome. I don't want to trade them, they're going to be awesome. And every time right. I would do that, further and further, I'd go down the standings. But right. I didn't want to trade them because this guy's going to be awesome. Well, by the end of last year, I got tired of that crap. Hmm. And it, I believe that on their show, John and Craig brought it up about the Hunter Pence trade. That yeah. I had been burned so much by doing that. I got tired of it, and so that's why Posey and Alderson, which you able to foil, it was a lot. For Pence, it was for guaranteed production. Yeah. yeah. I knew what I was going to get. I didn't know what I was getting with Posey. I didn't know what Alderson was going to do. That I just I have finally this year tried to purge that from what I used to do. Well, I, I, I'm, I agree with you 100% of what you're saying. And it, I can even take this back to the trade that was just made um, with the epidemic and getting the two first-round picks. That's excellent to have, but you still don't know what you have. You you know what you've got with you. You don't know what you've got with the picks. Um, sure, you, you may come out smelling like a rose with it. Um, but one of the one of the best teams for that is, is Crawford, and we'll talk about him in just a moment, but... Um, he's got a ton of wealth in young players, but you just don't know. And exactly. Nobody's proven, and to get a proven player, um, I think that's the way to go. I really do. I mean, it it, it got it gets old. I mean, it, to me, it got old. I could do it for like a couple years, and then it got to the point of like, all right, I'm tired of this shit. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't blame you a bit there. I mean, it's. Um, when uh, I made the trade before the season started that brought Longoria over and uh, gave up Dunn, Santana, and that was a big chunk of my team. And kind of the way I looked at that was, um, 
I'm getting Guthrie. Uh, Longoria is arguably the best third baseman in baseball right now. Um, Adam Jones, okay, we'll see on him. And the way I looked at that was if Guthrie can win 10 to 12 games and have a four ERA, then all I'm going to lose in the trade is going to be, say, six wins mm-hmm. and maybe a half a run per game ERA. And so far this year, that has turned out exactly right. Um, and you, you, you just don't know sometimes how, to, how to, this is going to happen. Um, Jones is a little bit of a disappointment right now. And in the last couple of years, I've let PV and Santana both go, and has not really affected a whole lot. And you would think with those two, okay, that's the heart and soul. But there's different ways around that. And like you like you said, um, going for proven makes a big difference sometimes. I mean, it, it really. I mean, it is. There were some trades that. I gave up stuff, but in the way, but in I had other trades that would come back, and where I didn't give up a lot, like the Incarnacion for Chris Young trade. Right, right. I mean, that was just a, that was almost just a swap of bad players. And you can ask Brian. I have been on him for a for a couple, about a year and a half to two years, trying to get Chris Young from him. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> and it, it's finally like that one has really started to pan out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vernon Wells, that one was, I think, Peralta for Wells and Withrow. And I used Withrow to get uh-huh. Nick Swisher. Right, yeah, I remember that one. Who helped compensate for Chris Davis sucking eggs, but... Mm. Well, the rest of the North, look um, at the Brotherhood and the Nats, and I think, um, I think with these two guys, they've been going over the past couple of weeks quite a bit by our sister station, uh, TMO, uh, by the way, which does their broadcast from a car. Um, <laughs> throw that in there. Um, um, we are sitting at home, folks, and we are, you know, relaxing and doing our broadcast. Um, the Amish, I mean, oh, they're 30 and 37, so, you know, they're not, they're by no means out of anything. They started out pretty strong. They just had a couple of bad luck weeks. I can see them coming right back into the. Yeah. I mean, it would with Johnny's team being as strong as it is. It's going to take a lot, but I can see them coming back more than another powerhouse team like the Epidemic or right something yeah. like that. And he ha- actually he has the pieces, and um, I'll be the first one to say that I led him ten to nothing going into Saturday and ended up with a tie five five. And he came back on me like gangbusters. Um, so he, he's got it there. It's, it's there. Um, the Nats, okay, a little more. You know, I don't think he can compete this year. I don't think he will make a big run at anything. Um, the Nats, what, I'm, what I see happening was he, he was a contender, but a lot of his players were getting up there in age. Exactly. That that's pretty well what I'm. And I just think that what I think it finally just kind of caught up. Yeah. Yeah. He had um, he had uh, for a while. He's got Manny Ramirez. 
You've got Mo Rivera, and just a lot of those guys, they're just getting old. I mean, they're just getting up there. And if you're going to get anything out of them, now's the time to do it. Um, to maybe a contending team right before the trade deadline. Um, you know, if, not, if that don't happen, they're just going to end up retiring. It'll and he will get no value out of them. Um, now I know it's hard to do sometimes. Uh, when you've got those, but they're still, you know, the age thing. Well, so that that's kind of going back to the proven, almost to the argument about the proven abilities. I mean, then he's a, he's on the opposite end of it. Yes, they're proven, but they're at the age now to where they're going to decline quickly. I mean, look at Chipper Jones; he's barely batting over two twenty. Right. If he's even right. batting that, I haven't checked him lately. He's just yeah. There's got to be a point to where you want to get the proven ability and hang on to the proven ability, but not so long that their proven ability is a thing of the past and they're just taking up space. Exactly, exactly. Um, I mean, some of the old, some of the older guys, you know, would be good for a you know a playoff run at the end of the year, uh, but that that's about it with some of them. Um, I know he's been hot lately. Um, I'm speaking of David Ortiz. Um, I think he's actually on his way down um, as far as production. He has been producing really good the last few, last couple of weeks, last few games. Um, and if if Earn decides to move him, now would be the time or that playoff time if he, if he's not in it, if he's not in the chase. But he's another one that um, that now's the time to get some value out of him if you can. Yeah, I mean, Ortiz started out awful, and he he'd gotten to the point to where he sh- he couldn't trade him just because he was so bad. Right, right. Yeah, there was not not too many takers, I don't think, for him at that point. Um, and there's several players around the league like that, and Major League Baseball's changing a little bit. Um, they're they're more interested in youth instead of spending the big bucks for the for the names. Uh, I think everybody's seen that there. a little. So, well, that's pretty well the North Division, um, and we're going to drop down to the West. And so far. The West is once again a total runaway. Yeah, damage is just—he's taken it and gone with it. I mean, he's—he—he he can probably go on cruise control for the whole season. Yeah, looking like yeah, right he's um, yeah, yeah, he's uh, there's there's no challenge there. Um, maybe in a year or two, Crawford can make a little noise and challenge him. Um, a little bit surprised that Kill Devil. Um, is where he is right now. I thought a little more out of him. Um, John and the Wu, um, about what I would have thought. The Wu, they, they're kind of like the cramps, only the cramps have got the big prospects to make a run. I mean, John, need, the Wu need to, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, that's me. I mean, I've looked at their team. I've yeah, you know, I've looked at these players, and it's kind of like, yeah, what the hell do you do with this? I mean, he's you know, got, a, he's got a few players that are. I mean, he's still got Loney, 
Yeah, yeah. He's got Austin Jackson, who he started out hot, and he's still hitting three twenty-eight. Exactly. I mean, Garcia, Brett Anderson, Gio Gonzalez, who is, seems to be finally living up to what he was supposed to be after, what, three years? Right. I, I originally drafted him. And he was one of my, you know, and it moved him on. But he was one I really looked looked to be, you know, really good. And you know, maybe now it's finally happening. I, I may have moved him too quick, but I mean, you look at, at some of the Wu's numbers. Uh, Wrigleyville's only hit 36 home runs this year, and the leader in the league is 62. Um, which is, by the way, the port. Yeah, it's the Wallabies. Am I wrong here? Oh, tied for the lead. Okay, I'm looking. Uh, Rockland and Port- um, Portsmouth. 62 each. Um, so he's basically half behind in power. Um, and that's, you know, that's not very good numbers. I mean, it looks like his guys, the power is evenly distributed, but it's just, they're such low numbers. Right, right. I mean, it's fours and fives up and down, which is okay for for um the, the helper players like the third outfielder or the occasional DH, but when your leader has got five home runs, that's never really a good sign. No, no, no. And along with that, one thing that really, and Crawford, Crawford's in the same boat too. Um, I mean, Wrigleyville doesn't have any closers. They have actually they have zero saves for the year, and Crawford has one save for the entire season. Uh, that's you basically are punting that posi- that category, yeah. and you know that's something like twenty losses or twenty three. Um, and that's an area that needs worked on. I mean, really, with the cramps and the woo, with the way their team is set up, I wonder if I mean they could prop. They're better off punting those categories because they've got they have work to do for the long term. And now, if they're not competing, it's almost like well, what what would be the point in spending all this money on a closer who may get hurt, and then by the time he gets back from being hurt, someone else has stepped in for his job. Exactly right. Right, and I have went through that more than you know. With Chris Ray and B.J. Ryan, I mean, my my Achilles heel has always been closers, and, and that seems to be a. It seems to be more and more as the years go on that those elite closers are disappearing. You yeah. don't. You don't. There was an article that I read that I wish I could remember what site it was. It had like the past five years the top ten clo- uh, closer performances, and of all those years, only. Three names were on the list every single time, and the other ones, in like half of the list, had lost their job mm-hmm. by, the, mm-hmm. by two years later. Well, case in point, right off is JJ puts in Seattle. I mean, he was an elite closer about three years ago, and and everything fell through. You're seeing it with Bobby Jenks right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was he was an elite closer when he was on my team. He was. As soon as as recent as two years ago, he was all he was doing. He was just one of the go-to guys, and now his ERA is in the sixes. Yeah, Ozzy has already is all but said he's probably going to lose his job by the end of the year. 
Right. And right. With, with the way he's performing with good right. Yeah, exactly. That's actually that's one thing that I've backed off on doing is is investing in a lot of closers, and it seems like a lot of the other managers are doing the same thing. Uh, they're more or less looking for the cheap setup men that may get the role, um, or even draft picks. Um, one actually one I'm, I'll call out real quickly is uh, Drew Storen. Uh, for the Washington Nationals. Um, I mean, Matt Capps is having a fantastic year so far. He's leading the league. But I think that'll be short-lived. And making Pittsburgh look like fools. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this guy's looking good. And, I mean, Washington's playing some pretty damn good baseball. Uh, But I think Capps' days are numbered there. I think Storen will take over and, and be their future closer. And things like that... Uh, picking up players uh, that are going to fall into that position is pretty important, which I've tried to concentrate on it, and I think a lot of other guys have too. Um, there was something that I have just, not really go off on a tangent, but I mean, there was one thing that I've never really understood from the MLB side are teams drafting college and college pitchers that are relievers in college to be closers, I just I have never understood that because I I have yet to see it pan out. That is something that I think, in, in my opinion, has just happened I mean, in the last uh, three to four years in baseball, in Major League Baseball. Um, you didn't have a professional closer, so to speak, in college, and it seems like all that's changing now. But, I mean, even, uh, they're training him for a closer. But I mean, to me, that doesn't—it doesn't make sense. They're being trained as closers, so as far back as high school and college, they're going to be fastball throwers with like one secondary pitch, maybe two that'll probably be average. And it just—I don't understand. I have yet to see where it has panned off. I know it's an—I know it's a new strategy, but I just. I look at all the top closers in baseball, current and past, and none of them, or hardly any of them, have ever been a closer or a reliever their whole major league career, going back exactly. to the Yeah. You totally know, agree. I, to- totally agree with that. Yeah. I guarantee you, if you go and look at every single closer of all 30 teams, maybe two will have never been a starter. Every single right. one that is worth a grain of salt began as a starting pitcher. Gandhi, exactly. Soriano, Rivera, Lord, um, Mo Rivera was starting in the majors initially. Yeah, yeah. Hayrod, I mean, they they were all starters. They all come from starters. So why are these teams drafting relievers thinking they'll be worth a crap? The two that were closers in college and drafted as closers that I can think of, Clay Meredith and Joey Devine. Look at them. Okay. Uh, yeah. Exactly. What are they doing? Um, seventh and eighth inning, man. And Meredith was sent back to AAA, and Devine yep. has been on the DL for more days than he's been playing for the past two and a half years. Pretty well, yeah. I mean, it, I don't, I don't get it, but whatever. <laughs> well, I think I think the trade that you made to get Joba Chamberlain, I got him because I expect him to be the closer. Exactly. Now. 
having said that, me and Scott sat here for weeks, and I literally mean weeks, talking trade for him. And he wanted a little more than I was simply willing to give, but I was thinking the same thing. Joe Chamberlain is going to be the next Yankee closer. Yep. He's a starting pitcher uh, that has everything it takes, but mentally it just doesn't seem like he can do it. And if you look at some past closers, um, a couple that come to mind, Al Al Hrabowski, the mad Hungarian, I mean, he come out there with an attitude, and Joba's got an attitude. On Papelbon, he was the same way. He was the same way, exactly, exactly. So I think that was a hell of a move on your part, and trust me, I really tried to get him. Um, I knew if I did, I was going to have to just—I'm I'm going to have to hold him. I'm, I'm going to be running with 27 men and putting up with him as an eighth-inning setup guy for the time being. But I was willing to do that. But um, but Scott just seemed to want Chris Carter so bad he couldn't stand it, and I wasn't willing to give him up. <laughs> <laughs> That's that one. Yeah, you better hang on to him. Yeah, that's the all over again. I would. That's well. (laughs) We won't go into that one, I guess. Um, I mean, even the MLB club gave up on Pat Burrell. Yep. I mean, when you got to replace Burrell with Hank Blaylock, okay. Yeah, you're okay. (laughs) But um, no, that that was was and is probably the best one I've had as far as a minor leaguer goes, and I really expect big things out of him. Um, but just for the record for the league, he was a Wallaby first. <laughs> yes, yes, he was. He was an original Wallaby draftee. Uh, but I expect him to be doing some mashing before too long. He's not doing so bad. But getting a few home runs, RBIs from him, and AAA, but the batting average has kind of sl- slipped off this year. Uh, I, that, that'll come. That's not a that's not a worry. Um, well, that kind of ends the West Division. Um, uh, any any other predictions you want to kind of look at at all four divisions as far as um, who may make a big run for something? Um, I know Joe. He doesn't do much trading, but I part of me kind of has a feeling that he may try blockbuster for like a final push if he can gain some ground within the next couple of weeks. Right. I, I think if he holds close to 500 and is within a shot of a wild card, he will. I, th- I think he will. He's, um, uh, like you said, he doesn't trade much, but it seems like when Joe trades, uh, you pay attention. It's a big trade. Uh, definitely, definitely. I mean, And I'd have to say the same thing about um, John and the Woo. Uh, you never hear much from him. Man, he don't pick up many people. He don't drop many people. He don't make many trades. But when he does make one, it's a, oh, my God, trade. You know, what went on there? Um, uh, speaking for myself, um, unless injuries or something, jump up and just simply bite me on the ass, I, I think we're going to set with what we've got okay. and make the run for it um, with what we're looking at. I'm pretty um, happy with them. 
you had any offers that would be classified as a blockbuster lately or <laughs> well i've had a couple of uh, well a couple uh, we'll say one that um was interested in adrian gonzalez that involved john lackey um and a uh, another pitcher named um let's see what was his name <laughs> dan hudson maybe uh, it could have been him yeah that could have been the boy uh, Wasn't it five players in total in that offer, or something like that? Something? Yeah, that was that was uh, that would have been a big move. Uh, no one that Chris Carter is coming up, and uh, that's tough. But I, I honestly, I can see Adrian Gonzalez playing first base in Boston, and I can see him absolutely tattooing that green monster. He would do wonder. I mean, I would love to have seen him in better lineups instead of oh. having to deal with. If you if you watch him, and I've watched this countless times this year already, how they pitch to him, it, it, it's a joke. He gets nothing to hit, absolutely nothing. Um, when you got Headley hitting behind you, why should you pitch to him? And I really, I really think they're going to they're going to move him, and uh, not that I'm a Boston fan by no means, no stretch of the imagination. Uh, but if he went there in that lineup in that ballpark, uh, I think he would be just devastating. I really do. And of course, Ozzie Guillen is wanting him. In Chicago, which I would hate to see him go to the south side. Not that I have any love for the north side, but uh, they've got other issues. I don't. They just they've got other issues they need to worry about. Yeah, uh, from what I saw this week, I think um, um, actually I read this today that uh, Ozzy had invited Joe West out for dinner. Did you read that? I hadn't read that one. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a little bit of a fiasco. Mm. Well, uh, looking at the clock on the wall, folks, I think we've been on here about forty minutes. Don't want to run it much longer because you guys at work, uh, we want you to be able to sit and listen to this and uh, not have the boss come by too often. You have to make three shows out of it. Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, so, from this end, from the big guy and from Brent, who I'm extremely pleased to be back with, uh, we're going to say goodnight. And this is the old left-hander, round and third, and heading for home. Good night, everyone. Brent waving him in. See ya. Bye.